as we head into God's Word, we're going to go to Philippians chapter 3. If you've been along with us for the last several weeks, we've been considering and going through the book of Philippians, uh, trying to find out what it looks like to live as Christians. Paul was encouraging the people in the church of Philippi to live in a way that was perhaps counter-cultural, where, where they would recognize the suffering that they would experience was something that God had given them as a way to, to identify with the suffering that Christ himself went through. Um, a way that they were living counterculturally counter by honoring others and living in humility, to, to think that, you know, I'm not the most important person in the room. That was kind of the phrase that we used a couple weeks ago. And then also to live contrary to the culture of complaining, where often we're, we're led to complain, where instead, instead of complaining, we, we try to work through solutions and try to work together in unity for, for, for how we could move forward. So today we continue that. We go to chapter 3 of Philippians. If you grab one of those black hardback Bibles, it will be page 952. If you don't have one of those, we will have it on the screen as well. Um, so let's go Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, which that, that was a good thing that he was saying. Sometimes we give the Pharisees bad rap, but that was considered a good thing. As for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowledge Christ, of Christ Jesus as my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his dead, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. We're going to go back to the, one of those first verses. It says, uh, Philippians 3, 2, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers. Let you in on a secret. Paul's not talking about animals. Watch, 
Watch out for those dogs. If you think about the animal, the dog, I have one. Anybody else have a dog? I got a golden retriever. Um, he always likes to get into places that he's not supposed to be, my dog. You know, he'll, when we're eating at the table, he'll be right underneath the table waiting for you to drop food. Well, maybe not you, but he's waiting for Harper or, you know, almost two-year-old to drop food sometimes on purposely like the donut she dropped and gave him yesterday. He always gets into places. Sometimes he, he gets in your face. Uh, we'll, we'll be sitting down. Uh, my brother-in-law, Kent, can attest to this. He'll be sitting down, and Hudson, he's so big that his mouth breath is just right in your face. He gets into these places that you don't want him to be. You know, sometimes he sees the cupboard door open, he knows where his treats are, and he somehow manages to get one out of the bag. He gets into places that we didn't want him to be. He's kind of like a little scavenger, you could say. Though the ancient Jews, they didn't keep dogs as pets. Dogs were considered those unclean scavengers, those, those wild animals and, and what they did is they often called a certain group of people dogs. They would use the word dog as this pejorative term, this, this term for the Gentiles, these unclean, non-Jewish people. You can actually even kind of get the feeling of that from uh, Matthew chapter 15 if you went there. Uh, there's this story about this Canaanite woman coming to Jesus, and, and Jesus is, is kind of not paying attention to her. And the disciples really want this lady to just kind of go away, and, and Jesus says, well, you know, I've really come for the Israelites that they may know, which kind of sounds contrary to, to what he would normally do. But she, she keeps asking for help for her, her daughter, and, and Jesus responds by saying, uh, it is not right to take bread from children and give it to the dogs. Kind of using that pejorative term, right? It's not right for me to, to give something which I was supposed to give to the Israelites now to another people group. But she says in response, well, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall under the table. And he saw her amazing faith, and so he ended up healing her daughter anyway. This dogs, you can kind of hear that derogatory nature that was in that culture. And so now Paul is using that same word, that same pejorative term to the Judaizers. That's who this is. The dogs are these people who believe you must first become essentially Jews before you can become Christians. It was these people, these teachers, who were invading Paul's churches and teaching something contrary. And you could actually call these people, these dogs, these Judaizers, the first church legalists. The, the first legalists in church history because they they had this, in, this mindset to add something to the gospel that one must needed to do before you would receive 
the gift of grace from God. And, and what, they're, uh, what they were getting at is, if one was to become a Christian, then you must follow the Levitical law, which meant if you weren't yet circumcised, you needed to be. Kids, if you don't know what that is, ask your parents later. But so there's this physical practice that they need to do, but then they also would need to follow along with all of the other Levitical laws, all of the other, essentially sometimes even pharisaical laws, where you needed to do certain things or not do certain things on days of the week. Now, if we think about church legalists, you could, you could think about more as the church grew in time. In the medieval times, there would be church legalists that uh, developed a sense or a system of penance. It essentially is you needed to do something in order to receive the gift of God's grace. You needed to do something. So, so maybe that would be praying. You need to pray a certain way. That would be pretty normal. Or, or maybe it was, you know, that you would then fast as a part of showing that you're truly repentant. But then it went on to, well, you know, maybe it's you need to give a certain amount of money to the poor. Maybe it's now you, you need to um, endure a certain type of pain by giving yourself a certain amount of lashings to receive God's forgiveness, adding to it, legalize, like saying you gotta, you got to do these things in order to receive God's free gift of grace, which came by Christ. If you go even more modern times, uh, our denomination had this too, but like, uh, you know, maybe there's certain things that you can not do if you're going to claim yourself as a Christian, like uh, I remember growing up, playing cards was a thing. Like, you, you, you don't want to play cards. You, you can't do that. Uh, in other traditions, you, you don't drink. You don't drink any alcohol. Or, you know, you don't um, smoke or dance or hang out with people that do that, right? So these ways that we try to create barriers to receive God's grace by saying you have to follow and do these types of of things. All of that could be considered legalism. So we go back to these first legalists, these Judaizers, the, the people who believe that you need to follow the Levitical law in, first before you can believe in Christ. Paul writes against these people on multiple occasions. If we go to Galatians 2 verse 5, I think that should be the next slide, uh, Paul says this, we did not give in to them, the Judaizers, for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved. So there was these same Judaizers were, were going to the church in Galatia. And then in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about these people as well. He says, for such people are false apostles, deceit, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles for Christ. Paul speaks out and writes out against these people time after time after time because, because he believes that what they're doing is contrary to the gospel that Jesus had given. Because, 
the, the people of Christ are, are not marked out by a ritualistic Israelite tradition that began in Genesis 17 with that circumcision piece. Instead, now the people of God are marked out by the Spirit. The people of God are marked out by the Spirit's work in their life. You will know who God's people are by the fruit of the Spirit that comes from their life. And so in Philippians 3, verse 3, he says this, For it is we who are the circumcision. So it's we are the people who are in, is essentially what he's saying. Because it's we who are serving God by his Spirit. It is we who are boasting in Christ Jesus, and it is we who are putting no confidence in the flesh, in those works of the flesh. The distinctive factor for anyone who believes in Christ is not a procedure, but it's, it's the Spirit in their life and boasting and lifting up Christ. The Spirit's work is irrefutable proof in your life, in my life, in the life of others that they truly are one of God's chosen people, one of God's people who has been been chosen by Him to live for Him here in this world. Paul wrote a similar thing to that in Galatians. We'll we'll go to Galatians 3, verses 1 through 5. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would, like, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Meaning, So if you began your journey by receiving the Spirit and living out with the Spirit, why would then you try to to live your life out by following and, and creating your own righteousness from the law? Instead, have you experienced so much in vain? If it really was in vain, so I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the law or by believing what you heard? Paul wants to show all of his followers, those in Galatia as well as those in the Philippian church, that Jesus is all one truly needs. That that when you come to a point of, of desiring to follow God, you don't first need to do the the works of the law. Instead, you receive Christ's righteousness by believing in Him. By Him washing over you by the Spirit coming in your life and then out of the outflow of that Spirit in your life, then you will begin to change the way you live. Living like Christ. These these Judaizers liked to think about their family heritage as something that's so important. You know, I... I remember some stories about my own family heritage being somewhat important. There's this phrase people always said, if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much, or something like that. But I remember when I brought my wife to my hometown for one of the first times, and she met 
my uh, grandfather, and we, we came into his house after church, and he had a couple questions for her. Anyway, nice to meet you, Emily. So are you Dutch? And Emily's, yeah, you know, yeah, both my parents are Dutch. I'm 100% Dutch. Yeah, good, you know. Uh, the next question, are you CRC or are you RCA? Uh, if you're not familiar, we are a Christian Reformed Church, and the other would be Reformed Church in America, and at one time they were together, and then they split uh, over 100 years ago. doesn't matter. Anyway, and, and she responded, I grew up in the Reformed Church in America, she responded, well, I'm CRC. Oh, I guess that'll do. That's what my grandpa said. We get this idea about these, these ways in the history that we live, and, and we like to promote them, and we like to think so well of, of, of who our, our ancestors were. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's great. But that's kind of what these Judaizers were doing. And, and Paul goes on to say, you know what? You think that your history and, and the Levitical law is so important. Well, think about my history. Think about the way that 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 I lived. And, and so he goes through and he talks about how, how he was a Hebrew of Hebrews and that he was, he was from the tribe of Benjamin, which was this honoring thing, and, and that he was, he was circumcised on the eighth day exactly the way the law said, and, and that he was a Pharisee and, and he was a pursuer of Christians and, and persecution and and he was a, a person who followed the law to the T, and he could have considered him righteous based on that. And he says, all of that, all of those things that I could take for my own advantage, all of that's worthless. All of that is worthless because of the surpassing knowledge that I have found through Christ. All of these things, if we, we think about it as an as a, a accountant would, you have you have debts and you have uh, credits, right? Uh, all of these things that Paul had right here, the, you know, being circumcised and following the law and being a Pharisee and a Hebrew of Hebrews and, and from the tribe of Benjamin, he could put that all on that credit side. But in reality, he doesn't. He puts that on the debt side. And the only thing he puts on the credit side is Christ. We could, we could perhaps... Think about that in our own life. What are, what are all the things that we try to put on the credit side? Or credit side, wrong hand. Right? The credit side. Well, I go to church twice a Sunday. Well, actually, we don't have an evening service, so that doesn't work. But, you know, I, I make sure I'm involved in every Bible study. I, I, I make sure that I volunteer in certain ways. I, I, I do all these things. I, I make sure to give 10% of, of my income to, to, to the church and those who, who need it. I, I put that on the, the credit side. I, I, I think about all those. Other, you know, I took my, trash, my neighbor's trash can in the other day because they were out of town. I put that on the credit side as, as this good thing that I was doing. What are, what are all those, those things that we, we try to put on the credit side, but we, we, we all of a sudden then begin to be our own legalists? where all of that stuff that we, we could see as advantage, I'm, I'm Dutch, that's, I don't know if that's an advantage or not, but uh, gets pushed over to this debt side because all we truly need and all they truly need is, is Christ. 
being made right with God doesn't, doesn't take our work, but it trusts in the work that Christ has done. Paul even goes a little bit further than that, not just putting it in the debt column. It says he calls it garbage. And I don't know if I got that passage up there. Philippians 3.8. Hannah, Hannah can see if she, she finds it. But he says, what is more, I consider everything lost, so everything that debt for the, uh, for the, for the no, because I know Christ. He puts Christ in the Christ. In fact, he said, I would consider them all garbage. All of this stuff that, that he could have taken pride in, he considers garbage. And the word used here is actually not as strong as what it is in Greek. So I normally don't do this. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have some fun, and we're going to learn Greek. I'd love you to all say skubala. Skubala. All right, one, two, three. All right, skubala. It kind of sounds like a bad word. Well, it actually, it's not garbage. It actually means something more like excrement or dung. Or you can probably think in your mind what farmers would call it, manure. Or another word that I probably shouldn't say up here. Right? It all of this stuff that you could take credit in, I got a laugh, That's, that was worth it. Uh, all this stuff that you could have taken credit in, you, you move it and you move it into the garbage pile, you move it into the, into the manure pile because you think it's all a load of it. All of that stuff that you could take pride in, in reality, Paul's saying, that's worthless. It's worthless because of who Christ is. You could count so many things to your benefit, but you don't need to. You could try working so hard in your life to, to, to say, God, I'm going to prove to you that I'm, I'm worth this, but that's not the point. The point is not creating legal things to step through a certain ways to live and so on. The point is to acknowledge who Christ is, to receive him in our life, and then respond to that. Respond to that in, in love. Respond to that by, by caring for those other individuals in our life to, to honor oneself, uh, to honor others more than yourself, right? It goes back to all the things that we were talking about in the, in the last several weeks. When we, when we recognize the joy that comes from Christ and we put our focus on that, we have an ability to to be in unity with one another and, and not complain as much. When we, when we have a unity in Christ and a, and a focus on who he is and, and what he means in our life, we're able to, to honor others and live sacrificially so that someone else would see a benefit. Recognizing the fullness of who Christ is and what he means to us. No physical rituals required. Just a knowing relationship, knowing who Christ is. A recognizing that in the past we haven't lived the way that, that perhaps would be honoring to him, but he still accepts us and grants us his righteousness, being made right with God. All it takes is a, 
is a dependent trust on who Christ is. Offering him your heart is a way that we say it. Being, being baptized into his body through the waters. Professing our faith so that others may hear too that we believe in, in Jesus. Recognizing that there's nothing that I can add. I could, could read my Bible every day. I could, could pray all day. I could live at church. I could, could work for the church. I could, could do all of those things, and none of that adds to what Christ has already done in our life to invite us into God's family as partakers and participants in his kingdom. And the way we say uh, we're going to live in response to that is, is that we're going to live for God. Everything that we're going to do is going to be honoring to who, who God is. That, that we're going we're gonna to then move on by, by loving our neighbors, loving those people that, that we live by, that, that, that live right next to us, loving those people that are at the gas station, loving those people at the grocery store, loving our, our coworkers and our schoolmates. And then the last way is, is to lead people to Christ. To show, show people what Paul showed us today, that there's, there's all these things that we could try to do to take credit for to become right with God, but, but throw that all away. Because all you need is Christ. To know who he is and what he has done for you. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that all we need is Christ. We thank you that it was he who, who fulfilled the law and, and lived in a self-sacrificial way that we would, would be called a child of God, an heir to your kingdom. Lord, we, we thank you that you take broken vessels and, and you, you, you patch them back together and, and you make them pieces of work that glorify you. So it's our, our prayer in life that we could trust in you more deeply, that we could honor you more fully, and that we could trust deeply that you are all we need. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.